Welcome to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We hope the following program will challenge you and encourage you in your faith journey. I would say the clutter in my life is probably social media that can just be so addicting. For me, clutter is whenever my room is super messy and I get a lot of trash left in my car and I begin to feel like my life's cluttered, so I have to clean out my car and clean my whole entire room and pick up every single piece of laundry. Uh, Well, I have too many pots in my kitchen, so we had to go and buy a new shelf. Well, I wonder if you can relate. Uh, Your schedule, your home, your job, there's just way too much stuff and life feels overwhelming. Maybe it's time to purge or downsize or even simplify. Well, this is Focus on the Family. That's our topic today. Thanks for joining us. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. John, I'm already smiling because everybody knows how much I love this topic when it comes to my garage. (laughs) So I'm proud to say... It's a perennial topic here. Ironically, I just finished cleaning it. (laughs) So I'm happy. Was it because you knew we were going to come up with this? No, not at all. I didn't know this was coming like three weeks ago. But yeah, we were out there. Troy and I were sweeping away, getting the boxes organized, putting up the... Leftover Christmas stuff up in the attic yeah. in the garage. And there. it so felt I, good. Whew, I feel good. <laughs> I feel really good. Do you know one thing that's so funny? I think about this because my laundry, I keep piles. So I got my dirty pile ready to go. And then there's the T-shirts I wore just once or twice. I could wear them again in a separate pile. I'm not going to fold them up and put them back in my drawer. So today we are going to talk about all these wonderful things and spiritually how they connect to your relationship with God. And you may think, wow, that sounds like such a small thing. Trust me, this is going to be a big thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Courtney Ellis is an author, speaker, podcast host, and pastor. Uh, she and her husband, Daryl, have three young children, and she's written a book that will really be the basis for our conversation today. It's full of great insights, and uh, it has the Bible woven through it. Uh, the book is called Uncluttered, Free Your Space, Free Your Schedule, Free Your Soul. And we've got copies of that here. Stop by focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast or give us a call. Courtney, welcome back. Thank you so much for having me back. It's good to have you. And uh, boy, I appreciate the topic. I do. I make fun of it a little bit. But it, it, there is a lot of spiritual application to this. I mean, the Lord said, don't you know, worry too much about this or those things. Just go, right? That's a paraphrase. That sounds like a paraphrase. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, the Lord basically was saying, don't worry about materialism. Mm-hmm. You know, your Father in Heaven knows your needs. And yet, at times, we just like overload on stuff and then we got so much stuff it starts to run our lives Hmm. so let's start with that the scriptural application to what we're talking about because a lot of people think eh, you know that doesn't really have a deep meaning but it does it really does our possessions little by little it's always incrementally none of us go to the store and buy out the store and bring home everything but little by little one pair of shoes at a time one book at a time one toy at a time it can begin to take over and the bible does remind us to store up our treasures in heaven and the real heart of the issue is the more stuff we have the more time we have to devote to caring for that stuff to to paying attention to where we store that stuff to going back to the store to get more bins so we can organize this stuff and that takes away from time we could spend in a hundred other God-ordained ways. Yeah. Now, to make sure the audience understands your bona fides, um, you are a mom of three kids, 10, 7, and 4. I am. Seriously, you got time to think about decluttering? Are you serious? You're busy. Honestly, I think the Matchbox cars make more Matchbox cars in the middle of the night. (laughs) I wake up and I'm like, we didn't have this many toys yesterday. So it's tough, but it's tough in different ways at different phases of life. I think folks who are retired might look at their shelves and think, I don't need 
half of this anymore. How did it even make its way into my house, yes. right? Folks who have young kids, it's really difficult. We have two boys and a girl, and of course, the girl, as much as we would love her to be interested in the trains, she is interested in the princesses. So we a have whole now other inventory additional, set. right? We, we just add to the stuff, and so... <laughs> To pay attention to it on the front end so you don't have to spend so much time organizing it on the back end is part of the key. You'll be so proud of us. So our boys are now in their 20s, and we finally got rid of the toy box in the basement. <laughs> I mean, it was a massive toy box that had – we did keep the Nerf guns, <laughs> but everything else out the door. You have to keep and, the Nerf And uh, I was thinking, wow, I think it's about time. This is good. Yeah. So Gene took the bull by the horns and got that taken care of. Um in a serious way, a few years ago, you were experiencing panic attacks. How did that connect to, you know, unclutter? I was. So we, my husband and I have been in California now for nine years, but we moved from Wisconsin where we lived in this big old farmhouse next door to the church and it was massive. And then we moved into a California condo and we brought most of our stuff. And stuff can have effects on your spirit, effects on your emotional health and living in this cluttered place really started to get to me. And the the stuff was part of it. My overstuffed schedule was part of it. But I began to feel like I, I almost couldn't breathe because wow. my life had too much in it. That's a serious moment. I mean, again, a lot of people might, let me speak for myself. I mean, I could discount that. I can feel like, oh, I'm not breathing. And, but I don't necessarily know why, you right. know, and to connect that to your overstressed schedule, your clutter, all that. How did you make that connection that this is, I think, what's causing me this problem? Yeah, my husband and I had a conversation one night where I, I said, I just feel like it's too much. And he said, what is too much? And yeah, I said, all right. of it. All of it yeah. is too much. That's the helpful. Stuff, <laughs> the schedule, the amount that we've crammed into our life at the, at the point of when I started writing this book, we had one child. Now we have three. And it was just overwhelming. And so we didn't know where to start. So we started by stopping. We wow. stopped buying new things. We stopped putting things on the calendar that weren't absolutely essential. Yeah. You still do, you know, have to go to the dentist. I recommend it. Keep that appointment. Well, let, let's get into that a bit to be practical for the people that are going, okay, you convinced me I'm one of them. Um, what's the process uh, that you use to declutter? And the big question, <laughs> your husband and your kids on board with this? I could see your kids going, no, mommy, I like that toy. Give it back to me, mommy. <laughs> oh, mommy, wait. don't throw that away. For sure. We've had that conversation <laughs> 6,000 times. Um, and you can't really go in and declutter your kids' rooms without their permission or Good. that will be really rough on them. And every marriage tends to have one saver of things and one tosser of things. And so there will be tension there as well. I have tried to throw out my husband's high school prom fancy shoes We've been married 16 years now, at least 16 times, and they keep making their way out of the goodwill oh pile. Goodness. So you start with yourself. You start with your own closet, your own possessions, your own schedule. And what happened was as I started to have less, do less, experience the freedom that God offers when we're not overburdened, my husband was like, I think... I think I'm interested. Tell me about that. I think I'm interested in some of that. And <laughs> Bro, let it go, man. Get rid right? of the shoes. <laughs> and the same was true with our children. And, and part of it for children is instilling generosity in them. We had a conversation about, look how many toys you have. There are other kids who could use toys, would need toys. We have friends who are um, going to adopt a foster child and... He, they have girls. They're mm -hmm. adopting a boy. We have boys. We have boy toys. They said, could you spare some? And of course, they first go to the broken things, the things they don't like. And we say, what toys would you want to play with? And so to begin that conversation with them where it's not we're clearing it all out, which as a mom, when I get overwhelmed, that's the temptation. Mm -hmm. But instead to say, could you maybe pick five things today that we could gift to this family? 
Courtney, I know from the book, this wasn't easy for you. It sounds like you almost mathematically figured this out. A plus B equals C. But speak to the mom, the wife, the husband, who is not seeing this as an easy task. It looks overwhelming. So speak to your struggles with that as you went through it. It it isn't an easy task because it's not just about possessions. Every possession has memories that are attached to it, feelings that are attached to it, nostalgia that's attached to it. One of the hardest moments was we had moved from Wisconsin to California into this tiny condo and we brought this table that my parents had gifted to us. This was my childhood table. It had a little bit of paint. Yes, it expanded. (laughs) It literally could seat 18 people and we were in a tiny condo. So it was in our dining room and it was in our living room. And people kept asking, are you going to host a banquet? And I said, no, I just can't part with it. I feel so guilty. My mom gave this to me. I moved Mm. it from Wisconsin to California. And finally I realized, okay, I have to let this table go. It's, It's ridiculous. Like we can't walk in our own home because of this table. And I called my mom and I said, I'm so sorry. I know this table meant so much to our family. I think I have to let it go. And she said, of course you need to let, I was wondering when you were gonna like, it doesn't fit the space. I put it online for sale. And within 10 minutes, a pastor's wife contacted me and said, this is exactly what we need for our parish hall so we can have our dinners with our deacons. Thank you so much. I'll pick it up today. And it was like the Lord Almighty said to me, see, yeah, see, I got you. Right. It's not even that it's about me letting go of things. It's about who else might be blessed by these things I've been clinging to that don't serve me. Hmm. You know, so often as human beings, we chase the shiny thing. It could be a project here at Focus. That's one of the disciplines you have to constantly put in an organization. You know, we don't want to chase the shiny thing. What has God called us to do? Yeah, it can be hard to get a hold of it, especially a lot of folks who have trouble over-purchasing are bargain hunters. And so there's the justification of, but it was only $4, but I got it on clearance. And it's like, that's okay, but your closet is still filled to bursting mm-hmm. or your shelves are still filled to bursting. It's it's not about value ultimately. It's about what will this possession take from you in the time ahead when you have to care for it, you have to store it, you have to deal with it. And people medicate by shopping, but they also medicate by being busy. And those are two sides of the same. Wait a minute. Well, no, 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 yeah. no. Yeah. Being busy is a That's good thing. That's good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's Mark my problem. Pride. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for taking my legs out from yeah. under me. Mm-hmm. But in that way, uh, you and Daryl, I mean, you set out on this adventure. I'll call it that. It's you know, a mountain you needed to climb. Mm. Did the two of you um, find healthier alternatives? Was there ever kind of a strong disagreement between you about these things? How did that work out in your own marriage? Yeah, for sure. It's a journey we undertook together, but also it's a journey we are still taking independently and we have different uh, thresholds for acceptable amount of possessions. And that's just part of being in a marriage is, is God will speak to me. God will speak to him. We will walk this journey together. But when we have a disagreement, it's okay. Ultimately, who's going to wear these shoes? They get to make that final decision. And that's been, that's been a good way for us. to. I have a terrible confession. So I, I am a thrower. Yeah. I mean, if it's an arm's length, it's gone. And so I got a big, big trash bin to come in and you know they set it down for a week in your driveway and so I start cleaning out the garage I remember I think there was a sticky with a phone number and a name on it that was stuck on our ATV and I'm thinking okay this has been here for like a year I don't think anybody needs this sticky so in the trash it went in this gigantic disposal thing and later that afternoon, Jean's going, I had a number on that ATV. And, you know, I don't oh, know. No. somehow she knew I threw this sticky away. <laughs> yeah. And she goes and gets it. And I'm like, okay, maybe that was too much. 
So, it I mean, you got to be a little respectful of yes. things that may be important to your spouse. Yes. Like a phone number. Absolutely. It's risky to declutter on behalf of someone else. You can do mm. it together or you can do it for you, but you need to partner if you're going to do it together, whether it's a child or a spouse or an aging parent, you're helping clean out their house. You may not know what is most important to them. And mm. so those okay. conversations take a lot of time and a lot of energy. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. It's time to level up. Give your kids a safe, faith-focused, and biblically-based community, and so much more. Join the Adventures in Odyssey Club. Club members get on-demand access to the exciting Adventures in Odyssey series, including more than 900 episodes. With faith-building activities, parental controls, and a safe online community, the Adventures in Odyssey Club could be your best adventure yet. Learn more and start your free trial at adventuresinodyssey.com radio. Hi, Jim Daly here. Today's culture deeply needs help, but in times like these, the light of Christ can shine even brighter. So be encouraged to share His light in this broken world. Listen to the Refocus with Jim Daly podcast. Without time limitations, I'll have deep, heartfelt discussions with fascinating guests who will encourage you to share God's grace, truth, and love. Check out the podcast at refocuswithjimdaily.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Courtney, I I want to shift to an area that I don't think we think about when it comes to being uncluttered, technology. And as I was reading the book, your emphasis on managing digital assets, I'll use all those big terms, um, you know, it's really important. And one of the most heartbreaking elements that you had in the book was that children, the observation that children that were born, uh, you know, around 2010, about the time the smartphone came out, they're competing for their parents' attention because the parents are looking at their digital things. And, you know, I, that just, that picture really broke my heart. Speak to that and how, how do children compete with the phone to get their parents' attention? Yeah, digital technology is a wonderful thing when it's used within bounds. And uh, there was a picture in a magazine of uh, a woman's hand holding a phone and a baby laying below it and the woman looking at the phone. And I was like, oh, that's that's me. Like mm. my kid is seeing the back of my hand and the back of my phone and my distracted face as I'm changing a diaper because there are portions of parenthood that are pretty boring. And I was looking for diversion. I was reading articles. I was listening to podcasts. But when we can keep digital technology within its proper bounds, it's a tool that we use rather than a tool that uses us. Let's talk about that. What were some things that you did that you were able to corral that digital beast? I did a bunch of things that failed. First of all, Mm -hmm. I I tried to just be better. And I tried to, you know, and I'd have a good day where I barely looked at my phone and I felt great. And the next day I looked at my phone 6,000 times before lunch. Right, (laughs) exactly. And and what I realized Mm -hmm. is there are thousands and thousands of engineers behind this screen that get paid if I click, if I scroll. Like it's it's not a fair fight. Mm -hmm. And so we've developed tools as a family Mm -hmm. that take that fight out of our hands. So we have this wonderful lockbox that we put our phones in during dinner and bedtime and we just can't access them. And every once in a while, something happens and I'm like, I wish I could take a picture of that. And also it's okay. So to have tools to to use the settings on your phone to limit screen time for yourself, for your kids, to take some of that fight out of your own hands so that you can rest in that peace and in that space. We take a digital Sabbath. 
we have at least one week a year where we're off our phones. One month a year we sign off of social media because we don't do things halfway very well. Interesting. Yeah. No, that's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, in that regard, uh, today's tech, you say, uh, has eliminated that space for downtime. Yeah. How do you think technology has really soaked up those in-between spaces where we don't have downtime? Yeah, it really has. It fills all the cracks and crevices of our day. And one of the healthiest things for the human brain is boredom and silence. That's where a lot of creativity happens. You ever notice you have some of your best ideas in the shower Mm -hmm. because your phone's not in there with you? But now we have waterproof phone. You can bring your phone in the shower. But we we need those spaces. Yes. Children need those spaces. Adults need those spaces. But the easiest thing to do is always to look at a screen. So we have to make it less easy for ourselves so that we have those holy spaces where we can hear from God, where we can look into the eyes of our children, where we can remember that we're not just producers and consumers, we're we're human beings. And it's so good. I mean, again, I don't think most people would think of technology as an uncluttering effort, but your book is packed with these great insights and ideas. Uh, We often complain, moving to the schedule now, I'm going to bear my soul Mm. in a very busy moment in my life right now. I'm leaving this afternoon for Montana. So to meet with folks, but, um, you know, we often complain about having overloaded schedules. I think many of us, if I could say it, we wear it as a badge of honor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I'm busy. I flew here yesterday and I'm going there and blah, 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 blah. It's a, it's a humble brag. A humble brag. Yeah. yeah. Aren't I important? <laughs> but we, we kind of fail to acknowledge most of that's our own fault. I mean, my assistant, Teresa, is so good. She's like, well, you said yes to this. Well, why didn't you say no? (laughs) Well, you're the the boss. boss. (laughs) I mean, she's so good at pushing back, but gently reminding me that uh, I created this mess, not her. Um, But how how do we, one, I guess, get a hold of that? And then how do we control that out-of-control schedule so we have time for family and weekend? And how do we do it? It's, it's a tricky thing, for sure. The, the best practice that we've found, my husband and I serve a church, we have young children, you know, there are always more good things to do, and there are always more crises on the horizon. And that's why God gives us the gift of Sabbath. Mm. Every week, once a week, to rest from our labors and remember that the work ultimately is the Lord's. And it's not a reward for good behavior. It's not great you finished all the things so you can rest and worship. It's even with things left undone, which they always will be, Mm -hmm. the work is the Lord's. Rest, worship, pray, play. Yeah. There's a story you had in the book that I want to pull out. You wrote it, so I'm not embarrassing you. Someone's going, how could you ask that? But there was something about a class pet And you were pregnant. So connect all the dots for us. How was this an aha that I should not say yes to this? Yeah, so our kids attend our wonderful church preschool, and the teachers are amazing. They each have a class pet. It's a bird. It's a little parakeet. And all the children get to take it home for a weekend or for spring break, something like that. And I'm in the line. I'm like 100 months pregnant, it feels I've got like, to ask you, though, are you saying there's one parakeet in the class or like 20? Every class has a parakeet. Every class Individual, has one parakeet. Yes, one. Okay, one. good, good. Um, so anyway, you're pregnant. Set that up again. Sorry. So I'm, I'm eight and a half months pregnant. My due date is in just a couple weeks, and my oldest son is 
three years old. He's in the class and the teacher meets me at the door with the parakeet clipboard. And I haven't signed up yet because I've been a little busy. And she says, you know, Lincoln hasn't signed up. Will you please sign him up for the parakeet? And I look and there's only one slot left available. And it is the spring break, which is in two weeks, which is my due date for our second baby. And and in that moment, my unborn son kicks me in the ribs and I drop the clipboard (laughs) and I say, you know, I'll, I'll get back to you tomorrow. And I go home and share the story with Daryl. And Daryl goes, absolutely not. And I said, well, we have to. Everyone takes home the parakeet. And he goes, Courtney, you can tell her no. The parakeet will not survive. Are you like, looking you're at my gonna, face right now? I'm like, <laughs> duh, way to go, Daryl. You're not going to remember I mean, to feed the parakeet did, when you're in labor. Like, did this the is, teacher look at your tummy? <laughs> this is a no My go. gosh, that's like self-evident. You know, I'm having a baby next week. <laughs> I, I'm a person who looks nine months pregnant for four months. So she had no way of knowing how close I was to my due date. But, but it was is this revelation that you don't have to say yes to every invitation, even a good invitation, even an invitation that everybody else has said yes to, that sometimes God is calling you to something greater. And that is the secret. Besides Sabbath, the other secret for uncluttering your schedule is remembering your deeper purpose. Mm -hmm. And in this season, my mission, my deeper purpose was to get this baby safely from one side to the other into the world. The big question, though, someone's thinking it, so I'll ask it on behalf of them. How'd you explain that to your little boy? Yeah. What'd you say to him? You know, he was he was okay with it. And we switched with another parent. And we were able to bring the parakeet home when the new baby was a couple months old. And we enjoyed the parakeet rather than forgetting to feed the parakeet. <laughs> right, right. So but it didn't turn into have, some disaster emotionally for it, your son. He was hmm. okay with it. He's not a big pets kid. But we also, <laughs> we could have just said a full no. Yeah. We we took the parakeet later because we had space, we had room, we were looking forward to it, but you can just say a full no. Yeah, you took the parakeet for the summer. That was nice of you. Yeah. You know what? We took the parakeet. This is funny. We took the parakeet 2 days before the pandemic began. So we had the parakeet. That that joke about the person who oh. brought the class hamster home for the weekend, we had that parakeet for seven months. Oh, my, <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, that's funny. That is a little retribution for the parakeet. <laughs> it was. <laughs> Say yeah. no to me, huh? And it lived. It lived the whole time. Yeah. We brought it back healthy. That's incredible. Uh, you know, for those that don't know, um, and this is on the serious side, a scriptural uh, point to make, that, that Jesus modeled boundaries and pulling back. So often we think busyness is next to godliness. Some people, I think 80% of people in America think that's in the scripture somewhere. It's not. But describe that blurriness that somehow we equate busyness with godliness and then take the example, what was the example that Jesus gave us saying no? Yeah, busyness helps us feel important. I have things to do. There are many people who need me, so I'm very, very important. And and the truth is that busyness often separates us from our neighbor. It separates us from God. It can separate us from our own spiritual need, our own spiritual hunger. And it's a sign that we are not clear in the mission that God has called us to. And this is what we see Jesus doing over and over. It's fascinating if you flip through the Gospels. Jesus says a variation of, I am going to Jerusalem dozens of times. He knows what his mission is. He's going to Jerusalem. He's going to die on the cross for the sins of all humanity. And if he had been diverted from that mission, it'd be very bad for all of us. So when he says no to the crowds, it's to go spend time in prayer with his father to prepare him for this mission because he has to go to Jerusalem. When our mission is clear, it becomes much easier to say no to things. What is God 
calling you to do? What is God calling you to be? How is God calling you to care for your family, to live into your vocation? When these things are clear, it becomes much easier to say no to the things that are not part of that. Well, I think it's an interesting observation when he says, the Lord says, you know, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. For a lot of Christians, they don't feel that. Mm -hmm. It still feels heavy. I'm so busy. But this is exactly the area of your life that you need to take a look at then. If if you're not able to get that margin to spend time in prayer, to understand what your mission is with your own mission and then your family mission with your spouse, etc. In fact, you and Daryl, I think it was in premarital counseling, you were challenged to think about your marriage mission. You know, we didn't cover that in our premarital counseling. I think it would have been a good addition to what Gene and I did. I mean, we thought about what we wanted to do to serve the Lord and, <laughs> you know, be faithful followers of Christ. But h- how did that stretch you and what was that mission that you created? Yeah, we had these wonderful premarital counselors, husband and wife, and we were kind of insulted by their question. How will you serve God better together? And we're like, we love each other and we love God and just do the wedding, okay? And Say that the question's really good because yeah. it was, how could you serve the Lord better together than separately? Yes. That's a, that is a profoundly good question. And they said, if you do not have an answer to this, we will not marry you. And wow. we were like, wow, you know, we've been volunteering in the youth group for years and we love Jesus and we love each other. Which is to their point. Right. But they really <laughs> pushed us on it. If And they said, if, if you're not going to serve God better, better together than separately, then God may not be calling you to marriage at this time. So you ran away for a couple of days and <laughs> we said- We did. You, I was you in had a date tears night. in the car. On the, what'd you come back Darryl's with? Daryl's taking me back to my apartment and I'm like, whoa. Um, <laughs> We're not getting married. Right? This is, I, I can't believe they asked us this question and they asked it because they love us and yeah. because they love the well, Lord. What made you think about it and, yes. and come up with a family mission, right? Yeah. Statement. Yes. And what was it basically? Yeah, it was that God is calling us to provide opportunities for hospitality and respite and discipleship. And God has used that every step of our marriage. We now serve a church together, and we see that on multiple fronts, Mm. rest for the weary and a meal for the hungry. And so many folks within our community are just hungry to be in a place and with people who genuinely love each other and have space for them. And this takes us all the way back to the beginning. You shouldn't have gotten rid of that table. (laughs) (laughs) You need 18 places. We do. Now we go to the backyard. Now we're saying save everything you've ever had. No, that's not the message today. Courtney, this has been so good. Uh, Let's come back and keep the discussion going. I think we can hit some of the other topics that you cover in the book, Uncluttered, Free Your Space, Free Your Schedule, Free Your Soul. It's a big, big promise, but there's so many good elements here. I'd like to come back and do that. Can we do that? I'll be here. All right, let's do it. And uh, man, I hope we can get this into your hands, especially if you're that person going, either me or my spouse seems to live in a cluttered environment Mm -hmm. and we need help. This may not be the book to put on his or her pillow, but certainly get it and read it together. That's something Gene and I have done with a variety of books, and we enjoy that, the audio book of something. And uh, we want to get this book into your hands, so make a gift of any amount. Be a part of the ministry. If you can do that on a monthly basis, it really helps us do ministry better together. And if it's a one-time gift, we'll send it to you as well. And uh, John will give you the details on how to get a hold of us. Mm -hmm. Just give us a call, 800, the letter A in the word family, 800-232-6459. Or uh, stop by our website. We've got the book and links to to donate. That's focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. And on behalf of Jim Daly, who is right now tied up with his technology, I'm John Fuller inviting you I'm looking at my schedule. It's really packed. I'm really important. (laughs) Join us next time. Maybe Jim will be here. That says we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ. 
listening to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We'll take a quick break and then return with the second half of this program for your family. Stay tuned. Your marriage can be redeemed, even if the fights seem constant, even if there's been an affair, even if you haven't felt close in years. No matter how deep the wounds are, you can take a step toward healing them with a Hope Restored Marriage Intensive. Our biblically-based counseling will help you find the root of your problems and face challenges together. We'll talk with you, pray with you, and help you find out which program will work best. Call us at 1-866-875-2915. Stuff can have effects on your spirit, effects on your emotional health, and living in this cluttered place really started to get to me. And the the stuff was part of it. My overstuffed schedule was part of it. But I began to feel like I, I almost couldn't breathe because wow. my life had too much in it. Hmm. That's Courtney Ellis. And she was our guest last time on Focus on the Family. She's here again. And uh, she'll be sharing from her heart about her journey uh, from anxiety and too much stuff in the schedule, too much stuff in the, in the house to uh, a space where God could really meet her. Thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. Uh, Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. John, I so appreciated Courtney's vulnerability last time. Just talking about things that she and her husband, Daryl, have changed to actually make more space for God. And that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. And everybody resonates with the idea of unclutter, right? The title of the book. How do I make more space in my life by getting rid of stuff I never use or rarely use to my schedule, to even technology we talked about last time, and we're going to continue to have this discussion. There's so many good elements in this book. I I make fun of some of the decluttering books, but they're good for us, and uh, I am a clutter-free guy. I throw everything away to my demise, even phone numbers that Gene is trying to keep. I mean, I'm like, whoa, everything's out of here. And, uh, you know, I have to learn to dial down, but I love the subject because it is a spiritual truth that, uh, you know, the Lord put boundaries around his activity. I think you can make a case that uh, keeping a clutter-free environment is a way to have God's shalom in your life, peace. So if you're feeling stressed, which I think is probably going to be everybody, this is going to be for you. Mm-hmm. And it's much more than just stuff in our rooms. It's, it's a lot more than that. And Courtney uh, Ellis, as I said, is here again. She's a wonderful speaker, writer, podcaster. And uh, Jim, you mentioned the book already. It's called Uncluttered, Free Your Space, Free Your Schedule, Free Your Soul. And we'll encourage you to get a copy of that book from us here. Uh, our number is 800, letter A in the word family, or stop by focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. Hey John, before Courtney jumps in here, I want to just read a scripture I think that lays the framework for us today, Matthew 6, which says this, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I mean, that that's right in your face, you know? So, Courtney, welcome back. Thanks for having me. Yeah. What do you think of Matthew 6? Do you resonate with that? I love it. I love it. It speaks to me on many, many levels. <laughs> did you always love it? That's the question. <laughs> I Back did. when, when you may be a little more cluttered, was that as uh, clear to you as it is today? 
it wasn't. I really, really had to begin digging into the why. Why was I trying to keep so many things? And I realized ultimately it came down to a lack of trust. I, I mm. needed to prepare for every possible eventuality in my life. And I couldn't trust the Lord to provide and to care. And I was, I was shoring up treasures on earth so that I would be safe no matter what. Yeah. And God calls us to to live in trust and in faith. And my possessions were beginning to own me. Yeah, and you're leaning into something. I was going to ask a lighter, but this is a good time. That that concept of you know for a rainy day. Yes, it's not exactly how you said it, but it's the same concept. You know, so a person can rationalize. You know, I need this uh, pair of prom dress shoes. This is what we talked about yesterday with your husband, Daryl. I love that. I want to meet Daryl. He's great. But he's held on to these prom shoes for quite a long time because of the sentimental value. I get that. And we all do that to a degree. But um, when you get down to practical reality, really, when are you ever going to wear those prom shoes? He's got plans. (laughs) (laughs) But that idea of rationalizing, keeping more than you should, because someday... Some catastrophe could happen, and I might need that 400-pound bag of licorice. Right. And we're all going to fit in our, our high school jeans again, so you have to hold on to those, all of us. So there's... I'm looking sad right now. <laughs> I left that goal a long time ago. I'm like, okay, after I've had the third baby, we're just going to get rid of the high school, the high school jeans. You would go to the high school 32 jeans. Right, but there there is something to that, to, to digging into the why. And um, there's a wonderful group called The Minimalists, and their rule on just-in-case items is if you can get it in under 20 minutes for under $20, you have permission to get rid of it. Because we can fill our entire houses with things for the just-in-case moment that might never occur. But in the meantime, we've got to dust it. We've got to store it. We've got to find space for it. And that eats away at our time and our attention. And those are two of our most precious commodities. Here's a funny one. I've got two generators, you know, gas generators, uh, in case one breaks down. <laughs> and you let me borrow one. Yes, it worked in that And the case. one that you gave me was the one that worked. <laughs> yeah. That was so kind of you. Yeah, that's the one that wasn't working for me, but you figured out yeah. how to get it started. That's how <laughs> mechanically disinclined I am. He comes over and starts it right up. I've been trying to start this thing for five years. <laughs> It's a good friend to That's have. a true story. I'll buy it from you, Jim. <laughs> no, I know you offer it. I'm keeping that okay, one. Okay, all right. Now. Rainy day. But uh, in that context, yeah, you could really over-rationalize. Uh, one of the huge benefits, uh, Courtney, from your decluttering process was the ability to hear God more clearly. Uh, you compare uh, hearing from God to something Elijah went through in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. I think it was in First Kings. What did Elijah learn about listening to God in that context that we could all learn? I love this story. This is one of those stories that, that children love, that adults love. It speaks to all of us. But Elijah goes out to hear from God. God calls him out into the wilderness to, to listen, and he's on the edge of this mountain and there's a fire and God is not in the fire. There's a great wind and God is not in the wind. There's an earthquake and scripture says God was not in the earthquake. And then after all of this is a silence and the still small voice of God can be heard. And so often we are so busy and our lives are so full. You said God is calling us to these big things, but we can't hear that voice. Mm. And it's like walking around with a backpack full of bricks. And we're like, God, I want to do great things for you, but I'm really tired. Why am I so tired? And God's like, take off the backpack, set down the bricks. That's our schedule. That's our stuff. When we overfill our lives, it becomes very difficult to hear from God. And God is often so gentle with us. God doesn't shout us down. Mm. He could. But God speaks most often, we see this in scripture, in this still, 
small voice. Are we listening? Can we hear? You also describe how God is listening to us and wants to hear from us regularly. I think some of us as Christians, you know, pray without ceasing. I mean, I was thinking about that the other morning. I, I mean, maybe I could do that in my spirit, and I'm even unconscious about it. But that's a big thing, to pray unceasingly. Yeah. I mean, really? Yeah. I got to clean up my mower, <laughs> you know? But, you know, not to be disrespectful or anything like that, but it, it does kind of point to the direction you're trying to outline in your book here. You got to take the bricks out so you can do those things and talk to God regularly. Absolutely. And there is a sense that as we begin to follow God more faithfully in our lives, our lives themselves become a prayer. You can clean out your bookshelf faithfully for the Lord, and that is an act of prayer. You can keep time for Sabbath in your schedule, and that is an act of prayer. I think I was raised to believe that praying was always many, many words, but it isn't. Prayer can be through action. Prayer can be through silence. Mm -hmm. Elijah is communing with God in prayer in that time of silence. And so the more I uncluttered my schedule, the more I uncluttered my shelves, the more space there was where I could really begin to hear from God through scripture, through conversations with my husband, through the work of my church in a deeper way. Yeah. And and, you know, I, I guess the art of that, if I could say it's an art, it's how to slow down and be able to listen and see and see what God is doing. Again, sometimes we're at such a pace with our schedule, whatever it might be, we don't, we're like breezing by. It's like going through a town and you never saw an off ramp. Yeah. You know? the, the most surprising thing to me in writing the book was I was writing it to get myself out of this panic. It was, I was writing it for me and it was going to be about less. But the more I wrote, the more it was about more. That what God wants is us to live with open hands and stop clinging to our stuff and our busyness so that God can fill us with more of himself, of the freedom, of the hospitality, of the love of Sabbath, all of these beautiful, deep things that you cannot buy and you cannot schedule. Yeah. Uh, Moving into hospitality. It's funny you mentioned that because that was the next topic I wanted to cover with you. Um, I wouldn't have connected the idea of decluttering to move you toward better hospitality or margin for hospitality. So uh, why do you believe that connection exists? My biggest hurdle, and I think it's true of many parents of young children, my biggest hurdle (laughs) to hospitality was the house was a mess. And the more stuff you have, the easier it is for the house to be a mess. And for the listeners and viewers, that's your kids are 10, 7, and 4. So you're living the dream of mess. We are we are Legotopia right now. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah, for sure. We don't have a burglar alarm. We just have Legos. Yeah. It'll, it's the same it's, thing. This is like just the thing. When you say Lego, I go, ouch, because I stepped on yeah. so many of those yeah. things and they hurt my feet. It's the clear ones. The clear <laughs> ones are a crime against humanity. I see the colored ones. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But the biggest hurdle was the house is a mess. And I was like, okay, we can have people over, but I need to get home an hour early and we need to do this and I need to get the kids and we have to... And when we began to let go of possessions, suddenly that tidying was a a lot easier. But also God had to reframe the whole idea of hospitality. It's not about beautiful Martha Stewart dinner party. It's about inviting in the weary traveler or the next door neighbor who's Mm. had a really harried week. It's not about impressing. It's about loving and caring for. How do you, how did you, uh, and I'm thinking for the wives, the moms who, you know, so often this is a reflection of them. So, and I get that. It, I'm not critical of that, but to not have the house just right for that couple coming over for dinner tonight, it reflects upon me and my lack of ability to keep it together. Whatever voice she's hearing inside her head, 
how did you get to the point to actually relax and say, you know, tidy is good enough. It doesn't have to be spick and span. And I think a lot of a lot of women particularly struggle with that concept that clean enough is clean enough. Mm-hmm. One of the phrases you'll most often hear if you come to our house unexpected as the laundry is on the couch, but it's clean. <laughs> That's the bar. The laundry is on the couch, but it's clean. No, I, I had to realize that the hospitality piece is about loving the other person. It's not about how do I look in this situation. And I had to lower the bar a little bit. And what I've discovered is when you invite friends in and your house is not perfect, it is a grace to them. There are the few people who will be a little judgy, but that's about them, not about you. But mostly people read that as, oh, I You're just like me. Yes, you're not perfect. (laughs) I can have you over now. And it doesn't, you know, when I visit a friend's house to drop a kid off for a play date and that friend is in a bathrobe, I read that as trust and love. You know, you trust me enough to meet me here. That is so good. I love that. I think it's great. Um, In fact, you say, you know, the biblical hospitality is being with, not doing for. And that's a great concept that fits right there. Hmm. Um, You know, you're you're not having to perform for the person to show them biblical hospitality. Yes, and hospitality doesn't always have to take place in your home. When we were in that tiny condo, we couldn't host many people at a time. You can go to the park, you can go to the restaurant. It is about the being with and the caring for and the reaching out more than the space in which you're hosting. In fact, you and Daryl keep a photograph of two ships kind of leaning in in a dry harbor, I think. I can imagine what that looks like, but why does that have any significance for you? That points back to that marriage mission we talked about where one of the things we feel God is continually calling us to is to be a port in the storm for people who have been through church hurt, for people mm. who are new to the faith and coming out of really battered backgrounds, but to say you're you're safe here huh. and you're seen here and you're loved here. And the ships are not clean and pristine and beautiful. They're really battered, but they're leaning on each other. And yeah. I think there's a gospel metaphor there. I like that. I've never heard that term church hurt, mm. but I get it. Yeah, I understand it. Mm-hmm. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Hey, it's Jim Daly here. Just so you know, it's time. Time for a challenge. Time to not only be a Christian, but live your faith. Bring Your Bible to School Day is the next Live It Challenge on October 5th. Nationwide, kids will team up to share the gospel at their schools. To learn more or register your children for the first time, visit bringyourbible.com. His word gives us confidence. So let's live it up. Bringyourbible.com. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Courtney, uh, the chapter on uncluttered kids. I mean, I think I was somewhat mindful in that way, maybe not as much as I should have been to help teach them these principles. But in that regard, when they're really little, I mean, they're just coming in, you're having your firstborn, all of a sudden you got a lot of stuff. You got the crib and you got all the electrical socket blockers and you got the cupboard holders. I'd put all that stuff in. I mean, day one, right? So Gotta be safe. all of a sudden I'm getting all this stuff. And of course you're getting the diapers and everything. And yeah, how do you, it's a season and that's going to happen. And those are probably must haves. You want to make sure your home is safe and all that. But as time progresses, how can that get out of control? And how do you maintain a uh, teaching your child uh, uncluttered environment? 
it's cumulative, the kids stuff, right? It, it adds oh. and adds and adds. So part of it is to go through things every six months or every year and say, we're out of this phase now. I don't need the baby bathtub anymore. You know, the babies all bathe themselves now. Even the four-year-old likes it. She does itself. Um, so to go through things phase by phase. And rarely is the is the kid thing for a tiny kid that wears out. So there's likely someone in your community, someone in your church who could use that really nice stroller that you're not going to use anymore, the baby bathtub. If you might have more kids, you can do a loan. Like you can have this. If we have another kid, we'll take it back. Yeah, and then it's out way. of your house and it blesses someone else. We don't need, we all don't need our own individual baby bathtub if there are two years between our kids and your kids. And um, so that's one of the things. But in terms of instilling the principles for our kids, what we're learning and research bears this out is our kids are so overscheduled and overstimulated and so hungry for breathing room in their lives to just play that we try to really foster and encourage that with our own kids they each do one activity or yeah. one sport That's and good. then they play i was gonna say how did you back into that schedule then to help your kids minimize being over committed yeah, we look for sports that are Saturdays and not Sundays, which is tricky. Um, Sunday sports can be really difficult because then you're choosing between yeah. sports and church, and then your kids resent church because it took me away and I didn't get to play in the game. So you can find those leagues. We have one that meets on Saturdays. Yeah, we did the same. Um, yeah, but to find something that clicks with your kid season by season and let them choose one thing at a time and then have some afternoons where they they're bored. Don't schedule them. Go to the park. Now, Give them a box of hammer and nails and some wood. That's my middle kid. It'll yeah. build you something. <laughs> and you need to emphasize that because being bored is not bad. Being bored is is the soil for creativity yeah. and innovation. And the tricky thing as a parent is the minute your kids are bored, they start to get into trouble and they start to fight. But what I tell parents is if you can wait that out for 10 or 15 minutes, it usually will disperse yeah. into genuine play. And if you can't wait it out, give them a chore and tell them on the other side of that tour they can go back to playing and guess what? Hmm. They're excited to play on the yeah. other side of putting that laundry away. No, it's so true. Um, describe how you and Daryl are trying to find that balance between minimizing the stuff for your kids and making sure you're not being so miserly they're not having a, a fun childhood. And there is that balance. There is for sure. And I grew up with a family that didn't allow their kids Christmas presents because Christmas is about Jesus. And I thought, I don't think I would want to worship that Jesus because I really want to take my choice. Right? I was like, I get I, the sentiment that feels of it. It feels a little though. extreme. I absolutely yeah. understand and respect that decision. But as a kid, that felt terrible to me. So we want to walk that balance. What we tell relatives when they ask what they can get our children for, for holidays, for gifts, is we say experiences and consumables. So our youngest child loves art supplies. And the thing about markers is eventually you use them up. You won't have those same markers on yourself 10 years from now. Right. Um, cookie decorating kit or take them to the science museum or things like this. And those don't end up sitting on your shelves. A yeah. few gifts are great. A few toys are great. We are Legotopia after all. Um, but to push toward those two things and it frees up your shelves and it often gives kids a wonderful experience with a loved one. <laughs> I can't believe I'm about to say this, but the boys, you know, now that they're older, they were thinking, hey, we could cash in on these Legos. So they devised a plan. To, they put so many on a scale to see what it would weigh. Then they counted how many Legos they had. We were like in the 20,000-piece Lego oh, arena. Goodness. I mean, you don't know what these things go to anymore. They're all right. bought as a kit, but yeah. these are all the individual tiles. Yeah. 20 
50,000. I mean, but they're great if you can pass them on, right? Yeah, or okay. if you can resell we them. We have done that part they yet. They can have That's another life. Goal. Or have little kids We over. might be able to pay totally. for college. Give them to the church nursery. Not for <laughs> yeah. the tiny babies. They will eat them. <laughs> the bigger kids. investment. <laughs> um, your decluttering journey certainly led to a sweet story about your son, Lincoln, and an opportunity he had to give away some toys. And this goes back to that Christmas idea as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, what happened with Lincoln and him giving away some things that were kind of, you know, close to him. And how old was he? He was about three. And <laughs> the Matchbox cars were making more Matchbox cars in the middle of the night. And we realized they had kind of gotten out of control. And there was a new family that had moved into the neighborhood. And a little boy who really liked Lincoln's cars but didn't have any cars of his own. And they'd play together out on the sidewalk. And I said, Lincoln, if, if you want to give some of these cars away to your new friend, I will give you one jelly bean for every car you put in the giveaway bag. And let's make sure they're the nice ones, not any ones that are broken or the paint is chipped, the, ni- the nice ones. You don't have to. But if you do, you get a jelly bean per car. He put 42 cars and he was buzzing like a hummingbird. He had had so much sugar. And I was like, my plan has backfired. But then we walked them over to the neighbor. I'd asked the mom's permission. Also, please ask the parents permission. Don't just drop off your stuff you don't want anymore at someone's yes. house. That is a burden that you're Yes, here's, here's my stuff. Right? Folks do that to us. We're like, no, thank you. Um but he knocked on the door and said, hey, you know, I know you like some cars. Would you like some of my cars? And it bonded the two of them together. And it was a, an example of how to be generous and how to be kind. And he's never forgotten it. It was a long time ago. Yeah. But what a great um, example for him. And you learn things at a young age that you tend to apply when you get older. So that's good. I think it's really good. Uh, you believe that worship is the ultimate uncluttered act. Connect the dots for me. How does that fit together? When we worship God, we come before God with open hands. We come before God without our bag of stuff, without our busy schedule, and we say, here I am. And the beautiful thing about worship is it reorients our priorities. It reminds us that God is God and we are us. It reminds us of the mission that God has called us to, to love him, to love our neighbor, and what that specifically looks like for us. Um, worship is is everything. It's yeah, everything. It's good. And having time to do it. So if we were to peel back the proverbial curtain on your home now, you've been at it. You've written a book about it. This is always the toughest question. How great a parent are you? <laughs> but when you look at this uncluttered theme and you're seeing the fruit of all of you and your husband Daryl's labor, what does it look like now when you pull it back? Do you have the margin and time and schedule? Do you control the technology adequately? Um, is your house always tidy and always. in good shape? Always. Because you no. have so much time to clean. <laughs> yes, that's I my mean, hobby. I guess it's the perfection question. Yes. What are you aiming for? How does it work for you? What does your home look like today? Yeah, I love that question because all writing is aspirational and we're all on a journey and different clutter comes in at different times. Different schedule clutter is a pressure at different times. I have a new book that just came out and there is a lot of schedule clutter that comes with launching a book that you have to say yes to more than you might normally. And so the call is ongoing and that's a beautiful thing because that forces us to stay connected with God. If Mm. we had it all figured out and perfect, we could walk away and be like, I'm amazing, I have this figured out. But the fact is, every day is a new day. Mm -hmm. And every day are new requests to put on the schedule. And every day is the temptation in the line at store to be like, maybe we do need another fill in the blank. So 
the call of God is ongoing. We have not arrived by any means. And within our house, the five of us each struggle with different pieces of it. Oh, yeah. Which is one of the reasons God calls us into a family is so right. we can lean on each other's strengths. We haven't talked about personality overlay on this, you know, yeah. extrovert, introvert, all those things play into clutter. Yes. So that's that's true. Let, for the last question here as we're wrapping up, I'm just thinking of particularly the mom and the wife who's, you know, moving through life and it's a hectic pace kind of right where you're at now with littles you know they're not self-contained nice behaving teenagers that do everything you want can't wait for that very excited (laughs) but it's a phase and all that but describe how that process of decluttering has helped you notice god more maybe if i could break it down into your marriage into your parenting and then generally your home yeah it's it's given me new eyes to see my kids, to notice my kids. I realized how often I was looking at them on the other side of a phone. Um, it's given our marriage new new hope. I think we, we now cultivate this family Sabbath. And the first few hours of that Sabbath, we're almost shaking with the anxiety of the week. There's still so much to do. And by the end of that Sabbath, Daryl and I have reconnected. We remembered why we fell in love in the first place. Um, for our church, for our family, for our neighborhood, we now have time for our neighbors, mm-hmm. which we feel that that is in a way, God's greatest call on us yeah. is to love our actual literal neighbors. We're pastors, we serve a church, you know, we have a lot of ministry time, but a lot of our neighbors don't know Jesus, but they know us. And there's a great opportunity there. But before we had no time, mm-hmm. we're waving at the mailbox while we're running to the next very important church meeting. And those are very important, but they're not everything. So it's changed our lives and it continues to in part because we try again and we do one of the things badly and we relearn and we keep growing and that's that's the hope of the gospel. Yeah, what I so appreciate about what you're saying, it's a framework. Yes. And it's a target and you're not always going to hit the bullseye, but hopefully you're going to be around it often enough that it does change your life and it does give you the margin that you need to love the Lord better, love your spouse better, love your family better. Yeah. That at the end of the day is what's going to matter, right? Mm-hmm. And Courtney, again, this has been so good. Thanks for being with us the last couple of days and talking about this and sharing your deepest secrets of family and things that are working in your family. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. And let me turn to you. I mean, if this has touched a nerve for you, uh, she said it. Courtney said it a moment ago. I mean, it's changed her marriage, changed her attitude toward the Lord. She has ears that are wider open and eyes that are open to see God moving Mm -hmm. and to experience a more shalom-like God's peace in her life. If you want that, get a hold of the book. (laughs) Why not start with Uncluttered? Get it here from Focus on the Family. If you uh, can support the ministry, you might as well put that into play. Don't go to the big chains and, you know, get the resource from them because they're just putting that money into shareholders' pockets. So go ahead and put the proceeds into helping marriages, saving babies' lives, helping parents do a better job, introducing people to Jesus, Uh, That's what happens when you can make a donation here at Focus. And we'll send you the book as our way of saying thank you for being part of the ministry. Yeah, donate today with a monthly pledge if possible because that ongoing commitment that you make allows us to respond to the hundreds of thousands of people who will contact Focus this year for help and practical resources. So a monthly pledge is great or a one-time gift uh, is certainly appreciated as well. Anything you can do to benefit today's families. Our phone number is 800, the letter A and the word family, 
232-6459 or donate and get Courtney's book at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ. Is your marriage holding on by a thread? For deep hurt, you need deep healing that only comes from the Lord. And you'll find it at a Focus on the Family Hope Restored Intensive in Michigan. Our licensed Christian counselors will help you and your spouse get to the root of your issues in just three to five days. And it works. 80% of the couples are still married two years after attending. Learn more at HopeRestored.com and talk with a trusted advisor. That's HopeRestored.com.